Watch us. Love us. Just follow WEEI on Twitch. It's Gresh and Keefe on WEEI. Lunchtime hour with Gresham Keith, noon straight up. Let's talk some football with our friend Tom E. Curran, Patriots insider of NBC Sports Boston. He is with us on the Harbor One hotline. Tommy, what is it like, Tommy, to cover, uh, according to a poll, the least interesting team in the city right now? Friend, your thoughts? It's fantastic. It's <laughs> beyond my personal childhood imagination, and I'm not kidding. It is, because in their inactivity, I find them continually fascinating and worthy of conversation. Look, even as Trevor's story gets signed by the Red Sox, it still is trumped by what the greatest coach in professional football history is not doing in Foxborough and the conjecture that, it, that arises. So I don't agree with Andy's column, Andy Hart's column from yesterday, though I appreciate the swing and the viewpoint and there's plenty of people at our place that agree with it, NBC Sports Boston. But I, I find it endlessly fascinating. Tom, what do you think of the whole Malcolm Butler uh, reports that, you know, he might be, the Patriots might be looking at a reunion with him? On two different levels. The first level on the field, it's understandable. Um, he was a very good player when he played at his best. He also had to play at a breakneck pace that gliders like, the guys who are six one six two don't have to do. That's why I think J.C. Jackson and Malcolm Butler are going to have similar trajectories to their career. Um, but I, I like it because I think he plays hard when he's healthy enough to do so. The other aspect of it is continually interesting to me in that, look, what happened against the Eagles in the Super Bowl to bench a guy who had played 98% of the snaps and not put him out there while Nick Foles is hanging 41 on you remains one of the most puzzling, agitating decisions you've ever seen. But Malcolm's never made a peep about it. And Bill Belichick and Malcolm somehow find some, found some kind of accord where there is no bad blood to a point where he'll take a visit here. So that, to me, is also fascinating. And on my long list of questions, and I actually have a question uh, list of if I could ever hit Bill with the truth theorem, that's one, two, or three. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, and, and, and Tommy, that leads to the question. Keith and I were talking about it a little bit earlier. If Malcolm Butler comes here, they got to talk about it. So who is in the more difficult spot, Bill Belichick or Malcolm Butler in revisiting the past if he does sign in New England? I don't think either one. I mean, it's they've been doing it for so long, and Bill understands that he is bulletproof and impervious to – really having to deal with much. It's just a matter of just continuing to say, yeah, it was in the past. I mean, we're not talking about them. It's 2022. So you just say that long enough, and eventually we in, in the group have to fold our tents. And you on the, you know, when, during your segments, you would have to fold your tents as well because, you know, there's a point at which it's diminishing returns, and Bill will filibuster until he gets to that point. And it's not like the ownership is going to say, Bill, you can't do that. We need an answer on that because – He's 70. It's not changing. So I don't think they would see the least bit of discomfort. I think that's an interesting aspect to this too, Andy, as we go to the owners' meetings next week. You know, Bill will be in a position where he's going to be asked to talk for the first time in March since 2019. And even then, he really didn't talk. Just kind of, you know, 
moved his foot around and spent very little time speaking with the media. Didn't have to do it in 2020 because of the pandemic, and Robert Kraft took the bullet in 2021 and, and talked to us. So will he deign to speak to us in 2022? Um, when there's so much going on, there's so many questions. That's that's what's interesting to me. Or do the Patriots say, yeah, well, he can do what he wants. As for, for, on the Malcolm Butler side of it, I, I mean – I can't speak for him, but I, if, if it was a similar situation to me, I would not go back to the Patriots, I guess, unless it's the only offer out there. Do you think that he could like, he could put all this behind him and just come back and be like, yep, I'm back on the Patriots now? Yeah, I think he could, just given that they never blew each other up. And somebody must have had the capability to blow. <laughs> there must have been mutually assured destruction. Right if either side explained why in God's name that came to pass. And there's been plenty of conjecture in the four full years that have passed as to why, but no definitive reasoning as to why. And it certainly has to extend past, well, he had a bad week of practice and he he had the flu early in the week. I mean, you can't, again, you have to pull some kind of a lever when you have the performance level that's out there. But, yeah, I think you could come back. Mm -hmm. I do. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston Patriots Insider talking football with Gresh and Keefe. He's with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Are you surprised Trent Brown is back? No, I'm not because they need him desperately, and he must have realized that no one's going to pay top dollar for him the way they did in 2019 when the Raiders gave him the highest contract in NFL history and he proceeded to play half their games. And last year he played, again, just a smidge more than half the Patriots games, nine of the 17. So Patriots would love to have him back because he's really good. But if you pay him $10 million, when you prorate that for the amount of time he's been playing over the past three years, it's $20 million. So that, that's the hard part of, of paying Trent Brown. So, but I'm not surprised that nobody else looked at him and said, hey, let's, let's get this guy in here. He's going to fix everything. Do you think the Patriots uh, offseason so far and really the lack of spending is more just Bill Belichick doing it his way and this is how he, he feels is the, is the best? Or is it more Robert Kraft telling Bill, look, we spent a ton of money last year. We can't do that every single year. So, uh, you know, you can only spend so much this offseason. That's another good one to put on the if I could hit him with the truth serum. Because I think that Bill and Robert kind of work in lockstep on their economic approach. Robert doesn't want to spend through the nose. They did it last year, and Robert basically, during that call that I referred to at the end of March, he said, look, we can't do this every year. We have to draft better. Got to build through the draft. Not going to be buying teams all the time, which is what the Patriots had to do. It was so much fun last year. Everybody got giddy. But the reason they had to do that was, for instance, go buy two tight ends because they didn't draft anyone. And then when they finally did, they couldn't play. So I don't think that Bill would want to spend again like he did. I think he would have faith that John Smith is going to be better and Aguilar is going to be better and Jones will be in his second year. And they'll ride out the coaching staff um, uncertainty. And then next year, guys like Aguilar, he was only on a two-year deal. We'll reload. We have $123 million projected right now. We'll be fine. But you have to throw out that word bridge year for this year in terms of improvements on paper. 
Tommy, do you think the Patriots are done in the free agent market? Like, and not even high level. Like, Keith and I have talked about Jarvis Landry and guys like that. Unless the number comes ridiculously down, do you think now the focus is really about the draft and whatever bargains fall into their lap? Or is there still some, you know, mid-level veteran movement to be made on this roster? No, there's definitely mid-level veteran moves to be made. Um, say cornerback, for instance. And I, and I, I haven't double-checked on my guy Steven Nelson in a day or two, former Philadelphia Eagles starter, former Steeler. Um, he, he plays a lot. He's a cornerback who's got starting experience in the league. He's still out there. There's a number of guys who are starting-level players who, because free agency began, literally, the real thing, um, six days ago, they might be getting their minds around, okay, well, that's the market, huh? That's what I got to take. All right. And I think that portion over the next five or so days, we might see some of that happen. We might see some trades too coming out of the owners meeting. So I don't think they're done and moving towards the draft, Andy. No. What did you make of the comments that uh, Jakob Johnson had where he says that essentially the Patriots told him they're not going to have a fullback on the roster next year. That's fascinating because that is how the Patriots revamped their team when the talent, at the skill positions kind of went south, you know, 2017 into 2018, it didn't work. Finally they said, you know what, let's just run the eye. And they put James Devlin back there. And then Jakob Johnson succeeded James Devlin. So now I think that they're going to say, Hey, John, it was okay because you had a million dollar base and a $5 million cap hit last year to not be great. But now you have like a $9 million base and whatever the cap hit is, you're going to do it all. So he has to be prepared, I think, to be ridden hard, as he should be, because he's supposed to be a good player. How do you see Ty Montgomery being used here, especially off of Jakob Johnson saying, hey, the fullback's going to be eliminated? I think that's in case of emergency break class, the emergency being James White can't play. So that is the only role. He is Traveris Cadet. And I love Traveris Cadet, <laughs> but Traveris Cadet never got on the field. Uh-huh. No. So I, I would, I would say, for games played where actual snaps of Ty Montgomery takes, if we could put uh, a total on that, I would take the under. With Kyle Van Noy cut, they did re-sign Jawan Bentley. You hearing anything on Dante Hightower? No, I'm not. And I wonder if this revamping of the secondary that we're going to see with J.C. Jackson going out, I think both sides of the ball, especially thanks to the Jakob Johnson thing, I wasn't really focusing on the offense. Mm -hmm. But I think defensively they're going to become a zone team primarily, Mm -hmm. and they're going to play more and more and more big nickel. So that's what Uche is, kind of. And I know he's an on-the-line guy, but he can uh, drop back. That's what Cam McGrone is who was a fifth-round pick last year. He's explosive. He's like a 6'2", 230-pound linebacker. Adrian Phillips, obviously, is a very good player, underrated. Kyle Duggar, same thing. So I just think you're going to see fewer linebackers on the field. And they're going to try and get it done with, with guys like um, Mac uh, Cleveland Wilson. Guy. Yeah, Mac Wilson. Thank you. Um, Mac Wilson and Juwan Bentley being their thumper. Hmm. Thank you for that. No, uh, and Keith and I have talked about this a lot, Tommy. 
It feels like Bill it, Bill Belichick is going to everybody zigs. He'll try to zag, and it's play zone on the back end versus man, and keep running the ball. Am I wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it used to be zig and go big, which they did for the last few years, and profit from it, especially offensively running against defenses that were playing small. I mean, just look at what happened to poor Mark Barron in the Super Bowl in 2018. He just got demolished over and over again. The Rams trying to play a, a safety in the box, and he just got absolutely lit up. And the Patriots just grinded out a Super Bowl win. Um, I don't know if they can still do that because they don't have a Gronk and they don't have an Edelman to take some of the heat off and get guys like that on the field. So I don't know, Andy. I really don't. And it, it's okay to not know. And they're not going to tip their hands. We'll know better during some of the mini camps when we get to see some of the personnel on the fields. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's necessarily ahead of the curve right now um, as much as he might be chasing it a little bit on offense. If you're going to say we're not going to run with a fullback anymore, Jakob Johnson, your position's been eliminated. We're going to a, a more spread. Maybe they're doing that. I don't know. I don't know the offensive There is so much uncertainty, bro. There is. Speaking of offensive coordinators, the former offensive coordinator now with the Raiders, Ooh. what do you think the expectations are for them, especially after the massive Devontae Adams deal, which I loved. I know a lot of people think they gave up a lot, but I think that offense has a chance to be nasty, and it needs to be because they're in such a loaded division. But what do you think the expectations are? Because he took over for a team that, even with all the turmoil, made the playoffs a year ago. I know. I know it's uh, I think it's going to be fascinating because you think of, of Devontae Adams and Darren Waller um, combined. I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous mm-hmm. level of talent to throw to with two big, big dudes. So um, I like the deal. And, you know, I talked to Rick Spielman and it's going to be on quick slants tonight as we make our little return from a brief hiatus. Uh, talk to Rick about, you know, the way teams are staffing, and the notion that you can go buy a team or the cap is crap. We talk all about that, and it's also in our pod. But there is definitely the mentality of, you know what, draft picks really don't mean that much. And even if we have to spend a bunch and give a guy an extension, we're going to do it because we have the talent on our team right now to do it. I don't think the Patriots are in that cycle right now. If it was a Ferris wheel, the Patriots are a little down low. But the Broncos have a good team now around Russell Wilson, and the Raiders have a good team. So if you feel like you're a player away from grabbing the ticket and getting to the Super Bowl, do it. I don't think the Patriots are a player away at this juncture, though. And getting the right guy, too. Like, you're doing it for Devontae Adams, who's proven, who's a good guy, who's a leader, who does the little things. That's a part Mm -hmm. of it as well. It's not, you know, trading up for some young quarterback and then you're stuck with your incumbent. Oh, sorry, that's San Francisco. Tommy Kern of NBC (laughs) Sports Boston. Tom, thank you, friend. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. There goes uh, Tom E. Curran. By the way, every week we do this. Every week we talk to Tom E. Curran. Yes, we do. That is his name, right? Yeah. And we have one dink. In the 617. Oh, I mean, we're doing a show for a lot of people, not right. just the one day. No, but we yeah. have, uh, uh, if you were interviewing Michael J. Fox, when I asked him a question, would you call him Michael J. every time? Uh, his name is Tom E. Kern. What are we supposed to do? Like, we, it's just we a, might call him Michael J. Maybe, every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
Like I, I'm. It's really funny that people are almost like offended well, that his name is Tom E. Curran and that we refer to him that way. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. It's not really adding a whole lot of time. Tom, no, Tommy. It isn't. It's, it's, I don't okay. see what the big deal is. It's just somebody who wants to complain about something. Uh-huh. Correct. Uh, 